This is a chapter where Jesus begins to go heavy on the parables. There's a number of parables just in this chapter. And really we're just going to be able to get into some of the introductory things about parables in general. And we'll touch a little bit on the meaning of the parable itself. But that will wait for next time when I come back from my trip. So it's Matthew 13. And we'll read from verse 1 to verse 17. Stand together for the reading of God's holy and errant word. Hear God's word to you this morning. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large, large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred Sixty or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not, under, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but not, never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Ascends the reading of God's holy and errant word. May he bless it to our hearts and lives this morning. You may be seated. My brothers and sisters in Christ, real quick I need to mention in the last few chapters of Matthew's gospel, we've seen the increasing opposition of the religious leaders in Jesus' day. We've seen this is coming to a, a high pitch, to a head. In the light of clear evidence of who Jesus is, They outright rejected him. And then they were aggressively seeking a way to get rid of him. And I remember, uh, by the way, I just think of, uh, I had the opportunity to spend some time with um, an Italian reformer before he passed away, Franco Maggiotto. And he was saying, I was saying, wow, how do you get along preaching the gospel so boldly in Italy? And he says, well, he goes, they're trying to discredit me. He says, now they're trying this method. And then he goes, I'm afraid... Uh, if those things don't work, they're going to try elimination. 
And I'm like, well, maybe there was a misunderstanding of the Italian. What is this? And he said, elimination. And we see with Jesus, that's exactly what happened. They went from, you know, a minor persecution to challenge to when he proved who he was to actually hating him and wanting to be rid of him. And that's the plan that they're going to be working on as we see through the gospel. But yet there was another group of people that still clamored after Jesus. Great crowds of lay people. And they were, they were attracted to Jesus' miracles. They were attracted to the words that Jesus spoke. Because they would even say, no one spoke like this. Not even the prophets. Because <laughs> Jesus would say, you have heard, but I tell you. you. Remember what the prophets would say, thus saith the Lord. Jesus said something different. Jesus says, thus saith me. <laughs> and they were surprised that he spoke with authority. It was so packed in this particular occasion that Jesus had to get on a boat and push up off the crowd and speak to the shore. And what does he do here, which is interesting, is he chooses to speak to them in parables. Basically, parables are short, earthly stories that are packed with heavenly meaning. That's what a parable is. Another word sometimes in the Greek is a riddle, believe it or not, for parable. And before we even get into the explanation of the parables themselves, which we're going to work, work through in the, the weeks to come when I get back, the first thing we're going to see is that his disciples, when they hear the first parable, they come to Jesus and they ask him this question. The question is, why do you speak in parables? And so that's the, the thing we're going to really focus mostly on this morning. We'll begin to touch on the meaning of the parable at the end of, the, of our time together, but we're really going to stick with that question mostly um, this morning. So why did Jesus speak in parables at all? Now, it's amazing to me in light of Jesus' clear answer to that question how modern commentators completely contradict, many modern commentators completely contradict his straightforward, albeit difficult to take in, answer. <laughs> they end up saying the very opposite of what Jesus says. And here's the thing. I didn't have to go far to give you an example. You know, sometimes when I'm, when I'm working on my sermon, I have to go and I'm trying to find evidence, trying to show you where I get my information from. In this case, I didn't even go d- digging deep into commentaries or online. I just happened to be reading the passage in my wife's student Bible, which, by the way, is normally an excellent Bible, and I like um, the, the, the remarks it makes in it. But it had a little remark in the middle of the passage, and I'm going to read it for you because I was like, I can't believe this. This is what they wrote about these verses. An illiterate society like much of Palestine in Jesus' day, I bet you like that too, right? <laughs> That's what Passes down wisdom in the form of proverbs and stories. Everybody likes a story, and stories are easier to remember than concepts or logical outlines. Jesus spoke in terms that would hold the interest of a society of farmers and fishermen. In other words, Jesus told simple stories so people can understand them better, <laughs> right? But here's the irony. Later on, a fisherman comes up to Jesus and says, what in the world are you talking about? Right? (laughs) The 12 say, "Uh, can you kind of tell us what this means? Jesus comes right out and says this in verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And so on. We'll get into the rest of it. 
This morning we're going to see a very simple thing. We're going to see that Jesus spoke in parables. Now, Now wait for it. To veil the truth from some and reveal the truth to others. Profound. He spoke in parables to hide the truth from some and reveal the truth to others. That's what we're going to see. And we're going to look at those two things. The first thing is, he spoke in parables to hide the truth of the kingdom of heaven from some. Now, here's a, we're going to read a, do a little reading of a few verses here to get into it. Beginning in verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, now listen, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. Wow. Talk about some heavy stuff. So Jesus used parables to actually keep some people from understanding the secrets of the kingdom. While at the very same time, the parables were a a way of delivering revelation to those for whom the secrets of the kingdom belong. Now, this might seem unfair at first sight. Why would Jesus do such a thing? Now, we're definitely, when you first read that, that the question comes up. Well, let's remember the context. Jesus demonstrated very clearly who he was. He was showing very concretely God's love through acts of miracles, through his gracious words. And how did the religious leaders respond? Did they respond with gratefulness? Did they respond in general, most of them, with repentance, uh, fall on their face and say, we have sinned? Master, is there hope for us? Teach us. We would like to become your disciples. It's not how they they, uh, responded. And it's interesting because the context of the quote, which we're going to talk about in a moment, where Isaiah is sent to go to the people, it was their ancestors that were the same. Unfortunately, the majority of Israel in the Old Testament. God with tears says, Moses says with tears, you're a stiff-necked people, broken-hearted. And the truth is, some people, especially in this case, as we see those who have heard it again and again and have rejected, some people, now listen to me, this is what Jesus is talking about, they don't deserve the truth. Because they're not going to use it with good intent. They've hardened their hearts to the the truth that they have been shown. And in doing so, they're fulfilling what was uh, spoken by the prophet Isaiah. In this case, 700 years prior to Jesus' coming. But here's the interesting thing. What we know is true of the religious leaders in general. There were exceptions, praise the Lord. 
The real contrast that Jesus begins to make in this chapter, listen, this is heavy stuff, is not between the religious leaders and the lay people. It's between the crowds and the disciples. Those who have followed Jesus and repented and believed and those who clamored after him as we're going to see throughout the gospel for many other ulterior motives rather than for the forgiveness of sins and new life, deliverance from selfishness and the wrath to come. Because he clearly says these words to his disciples, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. And when does he tell them that? When they go away from the crowd, kind of see him privately and say, hey, what's going on here? Then Jesus opens up the truth. And what we see in the text is there is a time for family gatherings. Amen? There is a time that sometimes we need to talk as a household. And there are secrets, as it were, of the kingdom. Now listen, Michael Green, this is my longest quote from a commentator, but I think he puts it really well, and it's a very sensitive topic here, and I think we need to hear what he has to say because his words are, are spoken very well, written very well. Listen to what he says. Jesus valued parables because they were an instrument of revelation, but only for those to whom it is given to see. The parable revealed truth to those who were hungry, and concealed it from those who were too lazy to look for it or too blinded by hatred and prejudice to discern it. The law of atrophy is at work. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. It may seem unfair, but that is life. If you don't use your muscles, you eventually lose the use of them. If you do use them, they increase in size and strength. It is the same at the spiritual level. The parables bring light for those who look for it. And for those who do not, the darkness intensifies. Matthew contrasts the crowds for whom everything happens in riddles and the disciples who see and understand the mystery of the kingdom. I remember when I first was converted there, my friend had a tape, I think it was by Erwin Lutzer, pretty sure, and it was on the parables. And I remember just being in my car playing that. I think I was with my buddy, I'm not sure. Sometimes I was alone, but I remember just eating it up because I wanted to know God. You with me? I wanted to know more about the one who loved me and gave himself about, for me. I wanted to know more about what he required of me now after he's been so gracious to me. Why? Because God was working in my heart for some reason. <laughs> I didn't deserve it, but for some reason, the, the lights went on. Amen? I heard Santo come forth. And I'm like, wow, who's that? So indeed, Jesus spoke in parables and in riddles, if you will, in order to keep the secrets of the king, kingdom from the hardened and the unbelieving. However, for those who hungered after Him and the kingdom He was ushering in, to him, to them, he would open up the secrets that were, have been hidden for ages. This is what Spurgeon says. The same sun which melts wax hardens clay. Isn't that interesting, right? And the same gospel which melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sins. Before we go to this, the second thing I want to pull out of this, draw out of this text, it's interesting to me 
how people blame Paul and they say, oh, we should stick with the religion of Jesus because Paul got it all wrong. You know, Paul started getting into all this deep theology and this heavy stuff. But think about it. As we hear texts like this, we see that all the apostles did was they continued to speak and develop the word of Jesus and flesh it out for us. So Paul would say, where Jesus says, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying there's only some among you, there's a remnant among you that will be given ears to hear. And so Paul would just develop that and say, uh, we were chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And Paul would develop that, uh, even taking it from Exodus as well, that where God says, I have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And there's both a divine and a human element here. There's the human element that they are actually hardening themselves and refusing to hear, but there's also the divine punishment. Amen. I think of when Jesus said this in John, I have come that those who are blind may see and those who see may become blind. Wow. Wow. Next thing we see is that he spoke in parables not only to hide it from some, but he spoke in parables to reveal the truth of the kingdom to others. Look at verse 11 and then we'll pick it up in verses 16 and 17. He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. And then look again at verse 16. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but they did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. Clay Trumbull once said this, a loving trust in the author of the Bible is the best preparation for a wise study of the Bible. What's true of the Bible in general is especially true of Jesus' word and his parables in particular. And to be sure, those who uh, lovingly trust the teacher of the parables, they seek to understand in order to believe it more deeply and in order to apply it to their lives and put it into practice. Indeed, to them, the secrets of the kingdom are given. Now, here's the thing. We have to see how richly we've been blessed, right? Sometimes we take for granted. You think, we, we think uh, socioeconomically, sometimes you think of those who are well off financially. And a lot of times we will hear people who come on missions trips and they will say, you know, they'll see others not living to the level they live and they say, wow, I didn't realize I took for granted all the things I have. Sometimes that's very true spiritually as well. We become fattened, as it were, spiritually, and we don't realize the enormous blessing that we have, the privileges that we have, unknown in ages past. For thousands of years, people didn't have the privileges that we as God's people after the coming of Christ have. Ears to hear and eyes to see. Think about this. this. This one, I was meditating on this. This really hit me. Jesus says, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but didn't see it. Now think about this. This is the, the irony of it. Think about it. Daniel. The guy talked to angels. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know about you, but that'd be kind of cool. You know? Santo. You know? <laughs> I wanna have some, man, you know, that's, that's a sci-fi movie right there if I ever seen one. 
Think about Joseph. He would have these incredible, vivid dreams. And God would give him understanding as to what they meant. I mean, think about this. Some of us, we've had some crazy dreams, right? You ever have that? And you wake up, you're like, it's got to mean something. (laughs) I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, that is just too vivid. Why? That's so weird. And yet no interpretation comes. And yet I'm jealous, right? Sometimes because I'm like, Joseph, man, he got got the information. He knows, he knew what it meant. We can go on and on. Abraham got to meet with God. Remember when those three men came and they were actually God? Think of Moses. Think about it. I look at I I I'm, I literally go into tears. I'm not lying to you. When not that I ever do. I don't know why I say that. that's a silly thing. But when we read in the Old Testament, remember they were challenging Moses' leadership, and God had had enough. And he said, "Listen, I've talked to men through dreams. I've talked to them through visions. But Moses, I've talked as a man talks to his friend. <laughs> that's when you kind of go rut row." You know what I'm saying? You know those people, they're going to get disciplined. And I, and, I, and I literally go to tears to think of what an intimate relationship. How I long to have that. Amen? And here's the irony. The irony, irony is this. Jesus is saying, they, those men longed for what you have. They longed for the full revelation of Jesus Messiah. They longed, they could only see his day from afar, and yet here I am, and I am opening up to you the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. It's yours for the taking. John Calvin writes this. He reminds his disciples how liberally God dealt with them so that they may be more grateful and acknowledge their greater indebtedness to him. Some people struggle with the fact of divine sovereignty and why would God choose some and not choose and allow others to receive what they deserve. And I have to be, I have to be uh, forthcoming with you. When I first got saved, that wasn't my question. This is the truth. The question was, why me? I made shipwreck of my life. I'm the worst in my family. I'm an embarrassment to my own self. Sometimes I can't even look in the mirror. And me? me and God showed me how much I owed him that he would even call me his son to call me into the ministry that that's like all this is all gravy all this is like this can't even be you know pinch yourself but it compels us to go a step further and I do have one other point I'm just going to gauge the time I have one other thing I want to share and it'll kind of introduce us to next time we go further than gratitude here as we look at these parables what we see in this parable and what we'll understand and i'm just going to give us an introduction to it is that the kingdom of god spreads it grows it deepens and it advances how through the scattering and the sowing of the seed of the word of god particularly the gospel of the kingdom and if we are grateful then we will do everything to promote that in our power. Whether it's ourselves helping to scatter the seed as we, God gives us opportunity, because we may not all be evangelists, but we're all witnesses. Whether it's supporting those who are formal evangelists and those who may ha- have more giftedness toward it, with money and with support and with going as a support to them. 
And that's what we're going to see, that the first parable is all about the spread of the kingdom. And Jesus gives his followers the interpretation of the first parable. So we're going to look, we're going to close with this last thing I want to point out. The revelation that belongs to us, is, it begins to be unfolded by Jesus. And we're going to look at the beginning of that. Now, real quickly, just for time's sake, just for summarizing, this is a very familiar parable, I take it, uh, to most of you. Uh, a farmer sows a seed, right? Some falls along the path and it's eaten by birds. Some falls along rocky places, it springs up quickly, but when the sun comes up, it's scorched because it didn't have any roots or enough roots. Other seed fell among, among the thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants. But alas, some fell on good soil, where the fruit came to fruition and pr- uh, produced a crop. Some a hundred times, some sixty times, and some thirty times what was, a sown, what was sown originally. And what we see here is this is the nature of the kingdom's growth around the world. And this is, there's a few points I want to bring out that are, are a few things I want to bring to your attention. The failure of some of the seed to take deep root into the soil is not the fault of the sower. Notice in the text. It's not the fault of the sower, nor is it the fault of the seed. But notice the fault lies what? In the type of soil that it lands on. Far too often when our sowing doesn't get the results that we want, or we expect it to, we begin to search for other methods to spread the kingdom. We give up on the old gospel and the simple sharing of the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, and we fall for the latest fad that everybody falls for, which we know if we just wait it out, like that old guy sitting on the porch you know, with a toothpick just sitting there, hey, you know, if he waits it out, he's going to see the fads come and go. And he's going to see the same, very same people that were excited about a fad a year ago. They're now dressed in a different way, pushing another thing. Amen? And unfortunately, we even substitute things that God tells us to do in his word. A lot of good ministry things he tells us to do. We sometimes give up on gospel ministry and we do these other good things to the neglect of the most important thing, which is getting the word that saves out to people and we do that because what happens and i'll tell you as a preacher especially we we see man it's not getting the results we thought i'm not hearing about five thousand people getting saved and added to my church tomorrow next week and we begin to get discouraged and we begin to blame the wrong thing but notice that jesus tells us right here right at the beginning that there are four types of soil and here's the interesting thing about the four types of soil only one bears fruit to fruition out of four and even that one there's different levels isn't there not all produce as much as the other those of us who have actually spent some time sharing the gospel know how painful it is when finally we get a positive response to the message and it seems like the fruit is finally coming only to find that, that that falls by the wayside and that person goes back into the world. It breaks one's heart. I remember in the early days of my Christian life when I shared the gospel almost daily, if not weekly. I, that's just where God had me. And one day there was a young man I was witnessing to day in and day out, um, not knowing if I was getting anywhere. One day we were uh, on a break and he said to me, hey, uh, Turn the other side of that tape because I was listening to the Bible on cassette. He goes, let's hear the rest of it. 
I was like getting excited, you know what I mean? There's a little response. And then he started hanging out with me and my buddy going to Bible studies and we were just following us when we would witness and, and, and then he even professed to be saved and I remember him riding his bike and just yelling in joy, I'm saved, I love Jesus. And I remember just being like, you know, you know, finally fruition. But he was a young man and unfortunately I remember he had a tough home life he had a brother that was an atheist and hated God and was just riding him and mocking him and putting, you know, doing everything he could to undo everything. He was a young man and, you know, youthful lusts. Uh, things were going on in his life in that area of temptation. And there were a number of, and, and I, I'm pretty sure I think his mother was a Mormon. So unfortunately, he had all those forces and it ended up that he was the one who uh, quickly receives the word, gets all filled with joy, but as soon as the hardship comes for the word, falls away i remember another young man uh, uh i was so excited because he would mock me all the time put me down and and it was like you know it was just a trial every day to deal with the guy because literally you want to knock him you know, you know like i'm like look man you know you know i'm a christian so you keep pushing me you know <laughs> let's go outside when i want to but i didn't you know i just kept taking it because i was newly saved so i was willing to do that stuff you know anyway and i remember i told you the story before but i, I didn't tell you the rest of it i was rolling tables because i was a setup person in the banquet Hall, and he comes up to me and he walks and he goes all right how do you do it man and i remember he was going like this how do you do it and i remember thinking how do you do what we're like setting up tables you know he goes how do you be born again i remember just putting the table down okay and i shared the gospel with him right there on the spot he said the sinner's prayer i remember he started coming to church sure enough in a certain amount of time not too long thereafter you call him to go to church oh sorry i got up late can't make it, and then he doesn't answer the phone. You with me? So for every testimony where one does take, and I think of one brother, uh, the few people I could count probably on one hand that, that I know of that maybe the Lord used me of, he's a pastor, and I thank God. that there's, you, know, you thank God for there was good soil. But here's what Jesus says, and this will get us going for next time, what your appetite Look at verse 20. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since it has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Think about it. Who wouldn't exult in the possibility of knowing that all your faults, all your sins, all your mistakes have been washed away? Right? Who wouldn't exalt and be filled with joy to know that there is a heaven waiting for you when you die? That, you know, as a pastor, people, um, he's, in the, he's in a better place, right, pastor? He's in a better place. How awesome it is for someone to be able to say, yes, we know that he is. But unfortunately, when that word doesn't take root, when the soil isn't good, that joy doesn't last long because as soon as trouble comes, as soon as persecution comes, and notice, pick up on this, because of the Word. Because you won't change what this says, because you believe every word of it, and because you'd rather die than compromise it. Those who are of good soil anyway. When persecution becomes, comes from that, if they're not, if they uh, are not the good soil, and they are the shallow soil, they will quickly fall away. 
No better illustration of this than John Bunyan's classic allegory written while he's in prison. Think about this. Here's a guy who wrote this while he was in prison for preaching illegally. How do you do that? Think about that. How could you be in prison for preaching illegally? I I don't get that one. But anyway, those were the days of England and, you know, whose reign, his religion and all that. But anyway, um, in his story, and we're going to close with this, in his story, um, when when a Christian pilgrim, when he's leaving the city of destruction, uh, there's two guys that come after him to try to get him to come back to the city of destruction. One is called obstinate, and the other is called pliable. You may remember this. And obstinate is like going back and forth, trying to convince him uh, to come back. And pliable goes, you know what? I think I'm going to go with this guy. You know, he's talking about a celestial city. He's talking about a place way better than the city of destruction. I'm, I'm going to go with him. And obstinate was, was really angry and said, you both fools. I'm going back. You go on your fool's errand. Well, when they were still at the beginning of their journey, they just started, they fell into what, what Bunyan calls the slough of despond, a mucky uh, area like where we go clamming, I would think, but where it's so muddy you can't find good footing. And as they fall into this, they're in the midst of the trial. Here's what Pliable said to Christian. This is what, listen, this is powerful. Is this the happiness you have told me about as we traveled? If we have such a halting disaster at this early stage, then what may we expect from now on till the end of our journey? If I escape out of this with my life, you shall possess the brave country alone for me. (laughs) I laugh only because I don't want to cry. Amen? It says, Hence, Pliable making several toilsome attempts, eventually struggled out of the mire on that side of the slough which was closest to his own house. Now listen, so he went back and Christian saw him no more. The point I want to close with this morning is this. Still, we sow the seed. Knowing that some will receive it and bear fruit. Some will bear a hundred times, sixty times, thirty times what was sown. We praise God that even in our little family of faith, even though it hasn't grown yet to the way we want it to grow, we praise God that our sowing did land on some good soil by the grace of God. You know, just even hearing one testimony from our UMTs where a dear sister in Christ says, we led her to Christ by her coming here. And she, at her baptism, wanted me to come in representation. Just that alone is an encouragement, isn't it? Isn't it an encouragement when we get letters from different folks who come in and out of here who say the trajectory of my life has changed because I saw Christianity really practiced and I heard the gospel and I see what a real Christian is? And that's only the few we get to see in this life. But the key is this, and I want to close with this. Knowing this, we are confronted with a choice as true believers. Will we continue to spread the word? Will we continue to sow the seed? Will we continue to take the hits? Unlike Pliable, who says, whoa, wasn't counting on this one. Will we be willing to continue knowing that even though it may be one out of four, as it were, it's still one out of four. Amen? Let us not give up, Paul says.
and doing good because we will reap a harvest. What? If we don't give up. Let's keep sowing. Let's keep ministering. Keep praying. And I pray that you would pray for me that I would have the boldness more to risk relationships more, to boldly proclaim the gospel, to be willing to be ostracized because I'm in love telling the truth like Jesus did. He was the greatest sower. And you see the reward they gave him. But don't forget, three days later, it was a different story. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you he came and he sowed the word. We thank you that as your people, we are now called to carry that mantle in his power and his strength through his Holy Spirit, your spirit. And Father, forgive us for our lack of sowing because we don't want to be embarrassed or we don't want to take the hit or we don't, uh, Lord, we, we feel that we will be laughed at. Father, enable us not only uh, in the far off distant future, but this day, give us boldness that we might make your good news known clearly as we ought. We thank you for your work here. We thank you that, that you have answered our prayers and that some are coming to join us, even in this hour of need. And we do pray, Lord, for the other things we need that the word might continue to go out. But we ask, O oh Lord, most of all, that our hearts would take to heart this parable. And Father, that we would make our calling and election sure. Oh, enable us to bear fruit for your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This Sunday sermon was preached by the Reverend Dr. Santo Garofolo. New City's Sunday sermon is recorded live on location at New City Fellowship of Atlantic City. If you're in the Atlantic City area, stop by. Our address is 215 North Sovereign Avenue, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Visit us online at newcityac.org. That's www.newcityac.org. Oh God is written and performed by the Reverend Dr. Santa Garofolo. Join us next week for a brand new New Cities Sunday Sermon.